Welcome back to the Full Tank with Phil podcast, the first ever podcast about gambling on NASCAR. And once again, we've got a jam-packed episode for you. Very happy to be able to bring this one to you here. We're going to start by recapping the Atlanta race from Sunday. And once again, I'm going to have a smile on my face as we do it because we made out pretty good for another weekend in the NASCAR world. So we'll recap Atlanta, what we thought about that. Then we're going to talk about Loudon going to New Hampshire Motor Speedway, and we're going to talk about the track stats, the strategy that I'm using this week as far as the, the races that are going into how I'm building a case for the different guys that I'm going to make picks for. Because then after that, we will get to our outright picks, calling out three drivers, a few different areas as far as the odds are concerned, different ends of the spectrum there. And then after we talk outrights, we're going to get to our finishing position picks as well, because all of those have been doing pretty well for us, including the weekly specials. We'll touch on all of that. And then for the whole second half of this episode, we are thankful to be joined by a brand new guest, first time guest here, Chris Wormy from the brand new podcast, Stay Green on the Bet the Board brand of podcasts. And uh, Chris joins us, talks a whole lot of stuff with us in the second half, including a full tank face-off. You may know Chris from his new podcast, or if you join the Twitter Spaces show every Wednesday night, Chris is always on there talking shop as well. So uh, we're going to dig into his brain as a professional gambler, and it is super informative. So be sure to hang on. After my solo picks here, we're going to get into it with Chris and also do a full tank face-off with him. So it's a great part to great way to end this episode getting geared up for Loudon. So we'll start by recapping what we saw at Atlanta. And I would say that for a typical NASCAR fan, it lived up to the hype that we were going into it with. There was a little bit of skepticism, I think, maybe because of the weather getting in the way. It was going to be a little more hot than it was the first time around. I mean, a lot more hot. Uh, and it was not really any different. I mean, we saw super speedway racing just like they had predicted, and it worked out. I mean, it really did. What they did at Atlanta last off season, turning this into a super speedway, I really think that this is a race that I'm going to have on my calendar as a fan to, to watch from here on out. It was really fun. Everybody really has a shot, just the same as we talk about with Daytona and Talladega. And it's cool to see different drivers up there, guys getting into trouble, getting it back together, gathering it up, you know, spinning out, trying really hard not to hit the wall, not to get into, you know, anybody else. And that played a huge factor. Now, we saw Chase as our winner. 
he pretty much dominated the race. I don't know if anybody would disagree with that. I mean, I think he won both stages and the, the race, which is impressive. But the thing about him was, and I was I had my eye on him. I didn't call him out on the podcast as one of my outrights. But personally, I did have money on him um, on an outright to win. So I had him kind of locked in on him throughout the race. And he was kind of like hunting. It, it kind of seemed like, you know, when he was up front, he was dominating. And then when he got pushed back, I was never worried that Chase wasn't going to find his way to the front. He really kind of felt like he was playing chess out there and everybody was playing checkers. And obviously at the very end, he proved it. It was almost like he had the the Xbox game on uh, easy and he was letting the computer win for a little bit because, you know, we saw some other guys up there at times. He was bumped back to maybe like 11th and 12th after pit stops and whatnot. But there he is at the end. I was never uncomfortable with where I saw Chase throughout that race as someone who was uh, hoping to hit that outright. So Chase gets it done, proving that he is definitely a, not only a road course racer, but a super speedway racer as well. So we're going to keep that in mind as the season unfolds, obviously. So Chase gets it done. As far as the bets that we called out on the podcast, definitely had a lot of fun there because all three of the guys, it was Chastain, it was Truex, and it was Blaney. All three of those guys were in the top five, like for a significant portion of the race. And it really felt like any one of those guys could step up at any moment. Truex really showed some speed. We're going to talk about him later at some length. And, uh, you know, seeing that out of him at 20 to one, I was pretty pumped during the race to see that. So, uh, really good stuff. All three of them just, you know, fighting within that top five made me feel pretty vindicated that they were good bets and they made it entertaining to watch. Now, um, we did hit some bets, not just outright, but the finishing position bets and some others. So let's just recap because even though I didn't call out Chase on the pod, the podcast did have a pretty successful week nonetheless. So we'll take our little victory lap here because we had Eric Jones top five at plus 585. We talked about him for top five, top 10. So if you had him in both, 585 top five is damn good. And then uh, plus 185 for a top 10, that was even good. If you just took that by itself, if you didn't want to take the risk on Jones for a top five, it still paid out for you. We called out Justin Haley as an absolute moonshot to finish in the top 10. And that hit plus 250. So uh, very happy about that. And we continue to make some money in the weekly specials. This is on DraftKings once again. Chase and Blaney were a combo that they called out, and that was plus 800 to both finish in the top five. That hit, so that felt really good. We called out Chevy to finish 1-2. That was plus 300, and that also hit. So very happy about that going on. Then we finally hit a toolhangers.com bet of the week, and it hit kind of early because both these guys crashed out of the race. I was pretty high on Chris Buescher last week, and he ended up not coming through fully, but he did squeak out the toolhangers bet of the week over Austin Dillon. It was a head-to-head matchup, so that just barely hit. I think they finished like 34th and 36th. Pretty embarrassing there, but uh, hey, got the job done, so added some money to that pot there for the end of the year. And uh, threw out a parlay on Instagram on race day. Threw a few of them out there. One of them hit. So if one of those hits, it pays for all of them that I put together. So that was fantastic to see. And we had Chris from the Flag Hunting Pod on last week, and we did a group bet face-off. And my goodness, was that entertaining. I know that most of you probably weren't paying attention to like who Chris had, who Phil had coming down to the wire. But um, Chris texted me right when it was over, and, and he said it hit the nail right on the head. I mean, it was 
super fun because all the way up until the last turn, essentially, it was at play. And then, uh, you know, I think he probably had the lead. And then when LaJoy wrecked, it took uh, one of his guys out, which gave me the two to one victory in the group faceoff. So very entertaining for us and a fun segment to record. So uh, I'll take the victory. You know what I mean? We're going to run it back at some point this year pretty uh, pretty soon, but not so distant future. But for now, I'll revel in that 2-1 victory and, uh, you know, call it a day. You know what I mean? So happy to get that win there. And thanks to Corey LaJoy, who, by the way, made everybody uh, have some fun on Sunday. That's for sure. I threw some money down on Corey LaJoy after listening to our guys, Rod and Cody on the NASCAR gambling podcast. I think it was Cody saying like, you know, why not Corey LaJoy throw a, a dollar on him? He was like plus 250,000 or something like that. I don't know. It was like 250 to one. And, uh, so why not throw a dollar on it? So I did that and he made a pretty compelling case for him. I mean, he, Corey did show up on a couple things that I was looking at last week, but I, I did not have the balls to throw his name out there like Cody did. So, um, wanted to tell him and, and, you know, threw a top five out there as well. Obviously it didn't pay off, but it sure did make for a very fun race. So shout out to those guys on that podcast and, Shout out to Corey LaJoy because, you know, he really made that fun for a lot of people out there tailing those bets. So a good race overall, and that's what Atlanta is going to bring to the table. It looks like year in and year out, same type of drama that we're getting on Daytona and Talladega, the same reason why NASCAR fans love those races. Well, Atlanta, just two more to the docket, and I'm excited about it. I think it was really fun. So made out pretty good at Atlanta a couple of weeks in a row now, three weeks in a row now, uh, really picking up some steam after a little bit of a lull. Now we're back at it and um, feeling damn good. So we will then turn our attention to New Hampshire because this is one that you either love it or you hate it. And I think uh, for a while, it was kind of frowned upon from NASCAR fans. It was kind of a boring track, but that may have changed. So they went to one race a year. And when it was two races, one of them was in the playoffs for a while. So that, I think, kind of rubbed people the wrong way. The fact that you're going there twice, it's a playoff race, it's just kind of boring, wasn't really getting the, the fans excited about it. But from a gambling standpoint, it's a little bit different because sometimes when fans think you know races are boring, gamblers kind of salvate at that and they say, hey, here's an opportunity to take advantage of a track that is a little bit more predictable. So um, that, I think, is kind of... Now a good happy medium with what we're looking at on the schedule because now that they're only going there once, it's uh, good enough for NASCAR fans and gamblers alike can kind of all agree that, yeah, this is a, a decent race weekend altogether. And if you look at Jeff Gluck's poll, the was it a good race poll? If you want to take a you know temperature check using that to see if NASCAR fans are digging this track, well, since 2018... The NASCAR fans have said this is 73% yes, it was a good race uh, for every race. So 73% or above. And last year's race got a, a very high rating in the 80s. So uh, something to be said about that. I mean, it, it kind of corresponds with when they took the second race away. And, you know, 2017 had like a 27% yes rating, which is just dismal, like really down there for the entire poll. Like, you know, one of the worst all times. So to see that kind of a trend change and have that pattern, you know, continue of a decent race, almost like three-fourths of the people saying, yes, it was a good race, 
Well, it must correspond with the fact that they're only going there once, and uh, I'm for it. So let's look at the track stats, all right? Let's get, get into a little bit here with what we know and love, and we've got 50 races lifetime in the Cup Series for this track, and six times the winner has started on the pole. The last time that happened was 2017. That actually happens to be the race that got like terrible rating on that good race pole, so maybe Kyle winning has something to do with it. But there's an interesting trend that I saw compared to the other tracks that we usually do in this segment. So top five, the winner only has started in the top five at New Hampshire 28% of the time. That's interesting. And starting in the top 10, 52% of the time. So for anyone who's not a, a typical listener of this portion of the podcast, uh, normally what we see on most tracks, it doesn't even matter what type of track really, but typically the average is around you know, 45 to 55% in the top five, the winner starting there, and around 70% uh, starting in the top 10. So those are lower numbers than we're used to seeing. So what that means is that practice and qualifying are going to be good for you as a gambler to kind of gather data and make assessments. And you should not be really that scared away from someone who doesn't really qualify well. Because as we're going to talk about right now, the winner has started outside of the top 20 10 times at New Hampshire. That is a large amount for the sample size that we have of 50 races. That's wild. 20% of the time, the winner has started outside the top 20. So this gives you a long weekend of decision-making, right? You don't have to you know, get worried about putting bets in on guys and doing it before you qualify or kind of holding off until then. You can really start whenever you're listening to this earlier in the week and go all the way up until race day and you know, gather data along the way. There's no rush, whether you like to try to get your bets in before qualifying or wait until qualifying and do it in between that time between qualifying and the race. There's no rush. It's a, The stats are telling us like, hey, it doesn't really matter where they qualify. Anybody can win. So if you find data that you're liking, the speeds that you're seeing in practice and what you see in qualifying, um, you can really put something together there and um, aggregate that all into a, a winning pick this weekend as well. So Thought that was worth calling out because we haven't really had much to talk about in that segment for a little while. Um, so these are lower numbers than we're used to seeing. Now, manufacturer trends, Ford has won the last four races. We're going to talk about them at length here in just a bit. And Toyota has actually won five of the last 10 races. So what that means is Chevy, if you're good at math, <laughs> if you're looking at the last 10 races, they've only got one win in the last 10 races. And guess who that driver was? Kevin Harvick driving for Chevy. So the fact of the matter is we do not have an active Chevy driver in the field right now who has won at New Hampshire. So Chevy, um, they're looking to try to get some momentum going at this racetrack because right now they've been treating it like a throwaway. So that's the track stats that we usually hit on. Now, um, short tracks this year, short, flat tracks. That's going to be the, the buzzword that you're hearing. Uh, throughout the week as you're strategizing, we've had three of them so far this year, Phoenix, Richmond, and Gateway. And, uh, you know, according to most sites, ifantasyracing.com, um, we, we love that site for the similar track data. Those are the three tracks that are, you know, most comparable to New Hampshire. So um, it's very important because those three 
races are giving us our only look at the next-gen car. So uh, that's going to be something you want to put a little bit more weight onto to see, you know, what have we seen so far this year at those tracks? And then also factor in some of the, uh, the history, as we'll get to in a second. But the other important thing to note about those three tracks from 2022 is that the tire combination that these guys are running this weekend, it's the same tire combination as we saw at all three of these tracks. So the data that you find there is definitely important to apply that to New Hampshire. So very interesting stuff there. Now, as far as what I'm looking at, when I'm calling out average finish, driver rating, you know, the the top tens, top fives, when I'm making a case for these guys, the races that I'm looking at are eight races, all right? The last five races at New Hampshire Motor Speedway, because I want to give some credit to the guys who are able to make it around this track, and then I'm including those three races that we just mentioned at Phoenix, Richmond, and Gateway, and I'll also be calling out, you know, specific stats for this season, um, like green flag speed, and, uh, you know, how they finished this season specifically kind of on the side to say, hey, this is what they're doing right now. So that's what we're looking at this week for New Hampshire as we're trying to land on some winning picks here. That's what we're all about. And the odds were released. Ryan Blaney opened as your favorite at plus 600. I was a little disappointed to see that because Blaney was, you know, he is undeniably all over my stat sheet. He's basically number one across the board. So, you know, I can't argue the fact that the odds came out and the, the sports books, in my opinion, seem to have got it right. Plus 600 is still a good number. I called Blaney out last week and I said, I'm pretty sure I said, you know, I will not call him out next week. I've been calling him out pretty much every week. You guys are probably getting sick of me talking about the same driver over and over again. So um, I had a similar situation with Chase, right? I, I called out Chase a few times in a row. He wasn't winning. Didn't call him out last week, and he goes and gets it done. So I am not going to call out Ryan Blaney this week, but I am looking into the microphone here, giving a little wink, wink, because, you know, maybe that's a little good luck, you know? So I won't go into detail about Blaney for the outrights, but me not calling him out might bring him some luck. So um, I'm not saying not to take him. That's for sure. So let's get to the guys that I am taking. We're going to start towards the top of the odds board, and then I am going to find some value in a guy later down the list if you're looking for that type of play. So we'll start with Joey Logano, plus 700. There's a lot to like about Logano, I feel like, this week. He's got a couple wins at New Hampshire, so you know that I love when guys know how to find victory lane. we we got to you know appreciate that. Those wins were a little while back, though, 20. 14 was the last time he won, and then before that, it was 2009. So uh, ways back, they do not show up in the stats that I'm looking at, obviously, if we're looking at those last eight races that I called out. That was uh, long ago when Joey Logano was in victory lane here, but uh, this is his home track. He's from New England, so you know there's always something to be said about that, that you know that NBC is going to play that angle up. Um, but for whatever that's worth, got some family in the stands, got some friends out there, maybe you know trying a little bit harder to get it done. Who knows? In his last eight races, though, getting down to the brass tacks here, he's got one win, three top fives, and seven top tens. That's impressive. All right, those eight races that we're talking about, he's finishing top ten seven times. Average finish is second in NASCAR, 7.8. That's just behind Ryan Blaney, the guy who we just said is the favorite to win the race. And his driver rating is six, 
So, you know, obviously we'd like to see a little bit better driver rating for Logano in this group of races, but hey, I'll take a top 10 driver rating with a, a second average finish. Absolutely. Now, if you want to look at just 2022, his green flag speed at these tracks, the short flats, third out of everyone. He finished eighth at Phoenix, 17th at Richmond, and then he went out and he won Gateway. Now, I think you can make a case that maybe somebody like Kyle Busch had a better car at Gateway and Logano um, kind of fell into it, but you also saw him, you know, go out and get it done at the end and a late green flag restart. So, or excuse me, a green white checker restart. So, um, Logano, you know, he put himself in good position at gateway and, and got it done. Now Ford in general, like we said, four straight victories for Ford at New Hampshire. So lately they just have this track figured out. There's, you know, you have to consider that here. And, his green flag speed has improved as the year has progressed. And that's something that I think, you know, any gambler would like to see. It's a team that kind of goes back, reviews the books, looks at the notes and says, all right, we're going to make some adjustments. And, you know, if you're continuously improving to the good, then that's great. There's another stat that we're calling out speed late in the run. This is uh, showing that, you know, if we do get long runs, who's good at the end of that run? And, well, he's fifth in NASCAR this year in 2022 at these short, flat tracks. So I like to see that as well. If we get, you know, we don't get that green-white checkered finish. We have somebody who's trying to come on late. Um, Logano is somebody. So this is good value, I think, um, for, for someone who is pretty high up on the stat sheet, plus 700. I like it. If the odds were starting with Blaney as the favorite at like plus 350, plus 400, and Logano was, you know, right behind him there, uh, I'd feel a little bit more queasy about this one. Plus 700, I'll, I'll take this one for sure. So lock me in as my first outright pick as Logano in the Ford camp there. Now we're going to talk about someone who I've been hot and cold on this year, been real high on him at points, real low on him on points. Called him out last week to get it done, and he almost did it for us. It's Martin Truex Jr., and he's going off at plus 800 this week. And I think that is actually better value than what we're getting for Logano. So really do like this bet. I think last week, what we saw out of Truex in Atlanta, this is a, a driver who has never won a super speedway race. He's had all the distractions so far earlier this year, and he goes out and he really performs well was an absolute player in that race. And it wasn't just a shot in the dark at the end where, you know, he kind of came in late and made it happen. And, you know, there he is out of nowhere. No, he was a force in that race. Chase Elliott wasn't going to win that race without Martin Truex Jr. having something to say about it. So uh, I think that's going to supply some adrenaline to this team. He's got the distractions out of the way. The retirement talk's gone. So now he's just kind of settling in and, and trying to focus. So he had a chance. It's good to see him fighting for once. I, I don't remember the last time I really felt like Martin Truex Jr. was like fighting for a victory. So I, I think that maybe could be a little bit uh, contagious, and we'll see if that keeps it going this week. His name also keeps appearing to me as I'm building out my stat sheet here. In his last eight races – Four top fives, six top tens. His average finish out of those races is third in NASCAR, 9.4. His driver rating is a big one, 102.6. That's good enough for second out of everybody. So, again, trailing Ryan Blaney. His four top five finishes at these eight tracks is tied for the most in NASCAR. So, there's a couple other guys who also have four top fives. Truex is one of them. 
Gotta love that. His green flag speed is fifth. That puts him in the ball game, right? We're not holding everything to any one of these different stats, but the fact of the matter is when you kind of bring them all together, it kind of paints a picture like, hey, this guy could potentially get it done. And he's good late in the run on these short flats as well. He's fourth, so just ahead of Logano there. Now, he had a rough Phoenix race where he crashed. He finished 34th, but at Richmond, he finished fourth. And at Gateway, he finished sixth. So he's able to rebound from that Phoenix rough finish and kind of put something together there. A couple top tens at the comparable tracks in 2022. So one thing that jumped out at me when I was looking through this is I was like, okay, when was the last time he won here? And apparently he has not won. I am, you know, kind of surprised by that. In his whole career, he has not won a race here. So then that gets you thinking, well, if he hasn't won a race here, we know that he's probably going to be retiring next year. He's only got a couple tries at it. So guys like him, you know, they like to collect racetracks and, and the trophies. So uh, why not, you know, really go hard at a racetrack that you have not claimed the trophy at? That lobster, right? You know, claim that lobster and, and the trophy that goes with it. So that has to be something that he's got kind of in the back of his mind before he retires. He's going to want to get a, something out of this track. Um, he's been good off the truck at New Hampshire, and it's going to have to continue this weekend. You know, in his last 10 New Hampshire races, his average starting position is 6.8. That's really high up. I think it's like third out of everyone. So uh, we've seen him have success. He's in the ballpark. He's in the picture at this track. We're going to want to see that in practice and qualifying as well because Truex this season's been a bit of, a little iffy for me. So uh, plus 800 is the value here for Martin Truex Jr. I really enjoy this value, and uh, I'm going to place this bet now. And if he does go out and have a bad qualifying, we saw from the track stats, people are able to recover from that. Maybe you get him at a better value. So, uh, you know, double the double the fun there for Truex. The last guy that I'm going to call out here is more of a longer shot. So if you're into that, great. If you're not, well, you might want to fast forward a little bit because we're talking about somebody who's plus 1,800, 18 to 1 for Christopher Bell. All right. I think Christopher Bell, when I think of short flat tracks, I don't know why. I don't know which one he's like really good at. I think it might be Richmond. I, I don't remember the the one that Christopher Bell supposedly is like a you know hot shot at. But in general, short flat tracks he kind of stands out to me. So if you're looking for a longer shot, why not entertain Christopher Bell as someone that could get it done? Now, the funny thing is Derek, who you know at Picks by Blaze, he does our uh, Twitter spaces every Wednesday night. We've got a little group chat that we have there uh, for the guys on that show. And, and you know, I was thinking heading in, like Sunday night, I was thinking like, I'm what Christopher Bell is going to drop as. And as soon as the odds dropped, Derek dropped a message in our chat saying, hey, plus 1800 is damn good on Bell. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it is. So uh, I threw that in like right then because, you know, as we're talking about in the chat, that might change a little bit. Now, luckily for you, if you're still listening uh, to this earlier in the week, it has not changed. It's still at plus 1800. So we're, we're happy to see that. And you know, this is a guy, he's plus 1800 because he's not appearing all over the stats like the other two, but the potential for Christopher Bell is super high here. He's got a very high ceiling. Now in his last eight races, he's only been a part of five of them. So that data set that we're talking about, those eight races, Christopher Bell, he's only been in five of them. So three this year and two at New Hampshire 
in his career. But if we're just looking at him here, he's got one top five, three top tens in that five race span. His average finish is 14.0. That's good enough for 12th. All right, like I said, he's not all over the stat sheet. His top five, however, came last year, which was a second place finish. And if you remember that race, you know, Eric Almarola won that race, but Christopher Bell was hunting him down and they ended up having to call it. I think they called it for darkness, but um, I, I don't remember specifically. Uh, I know that the dark was playing a factor in that race. And uh, as I'm saying that, literally my lights are flickering. So something's going on. Maybe we're onto something here for Christopher Bell. I don't know. But he definitely had a chance. If that race was like continuing in the daytime, he was somebody that was going to give Almirola all he could handle. So the fact that his only top five in the last five races that we care about was at New Hampshire and it was second, well, that stands out to me a little bit. I, I really think that that's good. Now, the name of the game with Christopher Bell is improvement, right? Because as a younger driver, that's what we want to see is improvement. Well, he had two starts in New Hampshire. He went and finished 28th his first time out, finished second last time. So that's good improvement, right? Okay, check that off. Then in 2022, the three races that are comparable, he finished 26th, two laps down at Phoenix. I don't know what went on there. Sixth at Richmond and ninth at Gateway. So I'd say that he's improved on that first Richmond start. His green flag speed is exactly what we're looking for. 19th at Phoenix, 12th at Richmond, seventh at Gateway. So that's improving. So it's great value for a driver that's potentially on his upswing right now. He is um, definitely more so he had a couple rough finishes in the most recent couple races, but I mean, you know, super speedway race and a road course, you know, kind of wild card races. So I think um, more recently, though, he's been coming on a little bit stronger. Now the playoff picture is going to have to play a factor here. He is someone without a win. He is the last guy. I think if, uh, you know, the, the next non-playoff driver were to win a race, then he would be the, the first odd guy out here. So he's going to have to really figure that out. So for that reason, a top five for Christopher Bell is actually pretty intriguing to me. Because they could be, you know, trying to send it, and you know, if you shoot for shoot for the moon, you might just fall along the stars. So if you're going all out for a victory, finishing the top five, that's not too shabby. Plus two twenty. I said that weird. Plus two twenty is the value there for uh, a top five finish. So I really like that. Now the capper for me, right? At plus eighteen hundred to win, plus two twenty to finish top five. If you're still sitting here going, dude, come on, get off the Christopher Bell train. Well, he won the last three Xfinity Series races here. So it's possible. Like, we're not talking about some random dude getting it done. So lock me in for the 20 car at plus 1,800. So it's him, Truex at plus 800, and Joey Logano plus 700 are the outright picks to win this week at Loudoun. Truex Jr. is going to be aggressive. Denny Hamlin out front. Aggressive goes around. So this week in the finishing position segment, I got a little bit of a hodgepodge in this area. I've got a number of different bets that I want to call out. So it's finishing position, a manufacturer bet here, some head-to-head -head randomly, and some specials to talk about. So like I said, kind of a, a mixed bag here in this area, but we're going to start with a top 10, a tried and true, just like we love it. And I'm going to go with Austin Sendrick, plus 190 to finish in the top 10. So I love when I can make a, a real strong case with a guy about some, you know, data and the averages that we talk about, but 
you're not really getting much of a sample size with Austin Cindric in this one. So the thing for me is how he's been doing lately. I really like what I'm seeing out of that driver, out of that team over this past uh, stretch of this season. But let's get into it. He has no New Hampshire start. So that right there is like, okay, well, what are you supposed to do with a driver like that? How are the books even, you know, kind of handicapping this if, you know, he doesn't have anything to go off of there? Well, he's got the three races this year, right, at the comp tracks, short flats, and he doesn't have a top 10 at any of them. So most people might say, all right, you know, next driver, please. But when you're in this area and you're looking for some value, something you can kind of cling to to say, all right, well, you know, I can't just take Blaney top 10 for like minus 500. Like we're looking for something pretty good here. So if you look at how he's done this season at Phoenix, Richmond and Gateway, he's been 24th, 20th and 11th respectively. So he's been knocking on the door. We said it with Christopher Bell, improving is the name of the game. So that's really what we're getting there. He's showing progression and we're seeing that same progression with his green flag speed. At Gateway, he was the fifth fastest car according to that stat. So that 11th place finish at Gateway, um, hey, he was right there, one spot back. So I'm feeling a little bit more confident about it. But then you look at his last few races. He's got four straight top 10 finishes right now in 2022, including two top fives. He finished third last week. It was a super speedway. I get that, right? We don't want to throw like all of our eggs in that basket, but we're talking about momentum here. And that's really big for a rookie driver, someone who is somehow magically locked in the playoffs at the moment from that Daytona 500 win. So they're starting to gear themselves up. They don't want to be a one and done round in the playoffs and they've got that momentum going on. So he hasn't finished outside the top 11. If you want to stretch it back one spot, he hasn't finished outside the top 11 more than once in the last seven races. So if you're telling me that he's going to be somewhere in that 1 to 11 range, and I've got him plus 190 in the top 10, I think I'm going to have myself a fun time with that bet, and I, I feel pretty confident in it. So plus 190, Austin Cendrick in that two car, and that's not to mention, right, the success that that team has had, the two team at New Hampshire. We're not even going to talk about that because the correlation this season has just not been there for the tracks that Brad's historically been good at when he was driving for that team. We're not even going to get there, but that's just going to be one last mention there, a little bullet point, little footnote to say that team's been pretty good there, but um, you don't want to really look too hard into that. It's just a throw in. So the next thing I'm going to call out is another finishing position bet, and then we'll get into some of the, the crazier ones. And it's Kyle Busch plus 130 for a top five finish. You can find that and the Austin Cindric one, both on Barstool. They're typically the best uh, on that finishing position type of bet. But this is a very possible bet. That's what I'm seeing here. To get plus money for Kyle Busch, you're not getting that on DraftKings, I can tell you that. So you'll definitely want to shop this bet around to the different books and see what you can come back with. Plus 130 is the best that I have seen for Kyle. Finishing the top five. One win, three top fives, Six top tens in the last eight races that we're talking about here. He's fourth in driver rating and in top tens in 2022 in all three racetracks that we're talking about. He finished second at Gateway. He was the fastest car there with the eye test. He was the fastest car there. And by the you know green flag speed stat that we keep referring to, uh, he was the fastest car there as well. I mean, that was a race that he definitely 
could have win. I think he was the strong, could have won, excuse me, he was the strongest car, if I remember correctly, um, from my own mental notes. So this is something that is definitely possible. I don't see this outside of the realm of possibility. The way this kind of came to me was I, I saw his name a bunch of times on my you know stats and my sheet here after I ran some of the numbers, and I was just saying to myself, I wonder how I can throw Kyle Busch into some sort of play. Well, to get him plus money, top five, I like it. He's plus 700 to win the race. I think that Kyle should be playing a factor in the outcome of this race because Toyotas and Fords, as we're about to talk about, they have been the ones to kind of dictate what happens. So, you know, with Kyle in the Toyota camp, you know, I called out two other Toyota drivers. We're not going to talk about Denny. You could make a case for Denny, but uh, I am not going to do that. Kyle is definitely someone that could be there kind of leading the way for Toyota, waving that flag. So uh, I like it for a top five. It's very possible. So now let's talk about Ford, because if you look at the manufacturer bets, they are all plus 185 to win the race. And I think that that's a bit absurd when we're seeing what we've seen recently from Ford at this racetrack. They have just been dominant four straight wins for the Ford camp. Uh, so I can't understand why they are equal odds to the rest of the group. Chevy has been completely out to lunch. So if I was getting like plus 300 on Chevy, that may tip me into that direction to say like, okay, well, the Chevy drivers have been just on it this year. You know, maybe I could get something there. Um, I'd have to imagine it's just because of the 2022 season. Chevy's been on top of it. Ford only has four victories this year, and maybe they just don't trust them. So to say, hey, Ford stinks this season, but they're good at this track. Chevy's been dominant and Toyota's just been there. Let's just make them all even odds plus 185. So I'm going to go with Ford in this one. I mean, I, why jump off the hot hand? Uh, not only have they been winning races, but if you look at the you know top five, top tens in those races, Ford is just populating those top fives in all of them. In all of like the last five races, Ford is there. They are making a play. It's not just one guy stealing the show. Um, it's Ford and it's Toyota kind of trading off, you know, the, the second to fifth places. So, uh Chevy's just been completely out to lunch. Like, really, you, you have to go back all the way to when, when the last time there was a playoff race when Chevy was in the top three. So I would avoid Chevy, or at least for this bet, I'm going to go with Ford because I feel like we're getting good value here, plus 185. So that's where I feel most comfortable for this bet. So I will lock it in and uh, let me know what you think if you disagree with that one. Now, I was going to save this for a little bit later, but while we're on the topic, I mean, DraftKings, once again, in their specials area, is bringing back the prop bets for drivers or manufacturers, excuse me, to finish 1-2 and for any manufacturer to finish 1-2-3. So I think this is a fun bet. I don't know where I land just yet. If I did, it would be Ford to finish 1-2. They are plus 700. They're the same as Chevy. That doesn't make sense with me, but like I said, we, we just saw a second ago to win the race. They are the same and, you know, plus uh 700 to finish one, two. I feel like we're getting really good value out of that. Toyota is the other brand that I would say has a shot. They're plus 800 to finish one, two. Now I went back and looked at the previous races, previous five races. Nobody has been able to go one, two. 
So that's why I'm a little shaky on it, even though Ford has dominated. And, you know, if you look at last week's or last year's race, rather, it was Ford, Toyota, and then Ford, 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 Ford. Like Christopher Bell spoiled that party for them. And it's kind of the same trend over the last four races there uh, where you got one Toyota guy or two Toyota guys kind of messing up the party of, of all the Fords. So when I first saw that bet, I was like, yes, I really want that one-two bet. I'll probably end up taking it on like Sunday morning or something like that. I'm calling out here, you know, to, to gather some uh, thoughts here. If anybody has any feelings on that, let me know. Like I said, it's a heavy lean for me forward in that direction, plus 700. It's a really good value. Um, now, the manufacturer, any manufacturer to finish one, two, three is plus 1,000. And I think that, you know, that's one where it's just kind of like throwing it out there if you're just looking to have some fun and you have a, an inkling that one of these manufacturers is going to dominate the race. Uh, I don't, you know, like I said, I went back a bunch. I didn't see anything for 1-2, let alone 1-2-3, but plus 1,000 is really, really good value. So um, that one I'm more like 50-50 on. So uh, just figured I'd throw that out there because the specials have treated us quite well over the past uh, few weeks. So if I like anything on Sunday, I'll make sure I include it on the Instagram stories uh, for anyone to tell. Now, the last thing I'm going to call out is our Tool Hangers bet of the week. I've got a full tank face-off that I'm going to be doing with Chris. And, you know, I, I'm bringing my A game for that. I got a matchup that I really like for that. But I'm calling out a head-to-head matchup once again because it hit for us last week. I'm trying to populate some funds here for the Tool Hangers bet of the week. And uh, so I'm going to go with a head-to-head matchup once again. Now, our sponsor for the segment here, toolhangers.com, is a site that specializes in custom tool hangers for storing, organizing, and displaying on pegboard tool walls. Anything from circular saws, drills, batteries, cords, garden tools, hand tools, anything that you have. I say it every week, you know, if you got a tool bench you're trying to clean up, I'm starting to get to that way right now. Dealing with a tool bench, it's a mess. Uh, my father-in-law's garage is a mess. I think there's a lot of people out there that could try to, you know, organize what their workspace looks like. So give these guys a look. And made in the USA by our guy over there at ToolHangers.com. So um, give it a look. And the cool thing that we have going on for this segment, if you're new to this, is I get ten bucks allotted to me every week, and I place the bet on the week tag on it. And if it hits, that money that we win goes into a fund that we're going to give out in the form of a gift card with a little raffle at the end of the regular season. So uh, last week we had a hit there. It was like, you know, nine or eight bucks or something like that into the pot. We'll take it. And this week right now, I'm going to do the same thing. It's minus 110 and it's a head to head matchup. So I'm not going to go off of the uh, the thing that worked for us last week. We're going to stick with it because I've been on a bit of a rut up until that week. Harvick over Reddick. That's the bet of the week for this week. A lot of factors at play here. They're both minus 110. So this would be $9 to the pot. And Harvick, you know, we'll start with him. He's the pick. He's the guy I'm going with. And looking at the last eight races, right? Because there's a number of different ways you could look at Kevin Harvick's stats here. If you want to look more specifically at just more recently, those eight races that I've been talking about, he's third in driver rating. He's got six top tens. That's more, he's got more top tens than Tyler Reddick has starts in this sample size of uh, races here. So um, six top tens in that eight race period. That's impressive. Looking at Tyler Reddick, 
in his five races during that period, he's got two top tens. Um, Harvick is fourth in green flag speed, and he's great at New Hampshire by itself, right? So if you're not even going to focus on what we're looking at this year or, or more recently, just in general, he has been phenomenal at New Hampshire. Three wins in the last seven races. Now, the other side of this coin is Tyler Reddick. Now, I'm going to hold my thoughts about Tyler Reddick because the huge news broke today that he is going to be moving to 2311 Racing, leaving RCR at the end of 2023. So he's starting his new venture with his new team in 2024. He's got a gap year. And uh, I find that super interesting. I'm going to hold my thoughts on that until I'm talking with Chris. I need somebody to kind of bounce those thoughts off of. But uh, as far as this bet is concerned, I have to imagine that you know, he's going to be super distracted this week because there are just so many question marks around that. He's facing off against somebody who has just historically been a monster at this racetrack. I know he's down a little bit um, this year, but his stats can kind of contradict that. And he's been top 10 in people to death recently in this season. So uh, if he can get me into the top 10, I think he could win this matchup. So lock it in for the Tool Hangers bet of the week. It's Kevin Harvick over Tyler Reddick in that one and then to wrap up the rest of them just kind of recap them we called out austin Cindric 190 top 10 kyle bush plus 130 for a top five and we also threw in you know beforehand a little christopher bell top five at plus 220 which is a good value and we're leaning heavily towards a ford victory at plus 185 so um, those are kind of the recap here for the finishing position and specials segment if it isn't my car show on the sale, shake and bake, buddy! Shake it! Before you bake it! Here I come. Slingshot engaged. So now we've reached the point of the podcast where we're bringing on our special guest. This week, it's Chris Wormy. First time on the podcast, and he's got a new pod himself called Stay Green of the Bet the Board podcast. And really excited to have Chris on because not only does he have a new podcast out, not only does he join us on the Twitter spaces every Wednesday night to talk on Derek's show, but he's also a professional gambler. And that perspective, I think, is super interesting to hear about. How he approaches each week is definitely different than how I approach it. So to hear the way he goes about getting ready each week is uh, definitely interesting. So I hope everyone enjoys the conversation here with Chris. So without further ado, let's bring him on. All right, so now we are very thankful to welcome on Chris Wormy. He's just started a podcast a couple of weeks ago with Todd Furman from the Bet the Board podcast. Stay Green is the name of it. Uh, professional gambler as well. Chris, thanks so much for jumping on the pod this week. Oh, Phil, thanks for having me. And I'm also very thankful to the NASCAR gods for giving us a nice little uh, nugget of information on the day. Uh, so I'm excited. Thanks for having me. Uh, just been kind of in the, the NASCAR gambling community here kind of came out of, um, kind of behind the, the curtain a little bit and said, Oh, Hey, I exist. And, and everyone's been so gracious to have me on and, and just talk about, uh, you know, what I love and that's betting on NASCAR. So this has been awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm really pumped. So just to lay out like for everyone listening, kind of what the agenda is that we have to, to 
look forward to here. We're going to talk a little bit about um, Chris and, and the podcast and his background um, and then like the perspective of a professional game, because it's it's definitely different from, you know, most people um, that I've had on and myself, definitely. So we want to do that. We'll touch on the news of the day. I, I think we probably could have talked for a while without the, the gift that uh, Redick gave us today, but we're going to talk a little bit about that. Probably talk a little bit less now about Atlanta uh, since we'll be talking about Redick. <laughs> and then we'll get into New Hampshire because I think that's what a lot of people are tuning in to listen to your take on that um, and, you know, how to, how to strategize around that. And then uh, at the end, we'll do a face-off. I'm really looking forward to that as well. So um, that's, that's the layout. Now let's start with the podcast that would be our, our lead in here, because I have to tell you, you know, when, when I had reached out to you about coming on our guy, Derek, he sent me a text like, Hey man, you know, reach out to Chris. He's about to get real busy. See if uh, he'll, he'll do your podcast, make sure you lock him up. And it was really ominous. Like I didn't know what that meant. And then your response uh, when I messaged you on Twitter about joining um, on a future episode, that's when you said to me, Hey, I actually have a podcast coming out. It's backed by NASCAR and you know, it's dropping this week. I was at target with my uh, wife and I got that message and I like raised my arms, like a, like I just scored a goal in hockey. Cause it's so huge. The fact that, you know, NASCAR is paying attention and you guys are, are busting down that door. Uh, that's just so big for everybody that loves betting on gam or excuse me, gambling on NASCAR. Uh, the fact that they have eyes on it and they've, um, you know, backed you guys. So how did it come to fruition here and how's it going so far? You guys are a few weeks in now. Yeah. Uh, so eventually, or uh, eventually, essentially what happened is uh, I, I knew that NASCAR had a gaming division that was trying to help grow the sport through sports betting, essentially. They obviously had partners, some of which I can still bet with and others I'm no longer allowed to bet with. Uh, we can get into that later. But I sent a message to Matt, who was working for NASCAR at the time. And he said, you know what, I'll give you, I'll give you 15 minutes. And I just kind of said, hey, this is what I do. I've been doing it for um, a little bit of a while now, but now I'm doing it kind of professionally. It's my full-time gig since it became legal in the state of Arizona. And he's like, whoa, whoa, I'm sorry, what? Go, this is my only kind of source of income here is uh, this betting on NASCAR. And he's like, oh my gosh, I didn't set aside enough time and my boss needs to be on the next phone call. And so we kind of got that set up and uh, Matt, Joe and I, uh, hopped on and started talking and you know matt said he's such a nice guy and he's very he works now for um i don't know how much i can get into that anyway matt's a good guy he used to work for nascar but uh definitely a a, a sharp mind i would consider for sure in when it comes to nascar betting and he goes chris uh, i don't mean to objectify you but you're like this shiny little object that we didn't know existed until you sent uh sent me a message and we don't even know what we should do. And Todd and I obviously have been working together for a long time. And I said, Hey, if I can get Todd Furman to, to do a podcast, would you guys be interested? And I don't think I've ever heard, you know, someone say respond quickly. Absolutely. We would be interested in that. Let's talk tomorrow. So now that goes, it, it takes a while, you know, uh, to kind of get that thing wrapped up, but now that we've done it, it's been fun and I enjoy it. I love, I mean, the best job in the world. I get paid to talk about a thing I love doing. I mean, I was just thinking about this morning, like my job, it's, it's awesome. Like I love my life. I'm 
like texting you talking about a podcast like so excited to come on and just you know talk about nascar so it's great that's awesome very cool story and it's just like such a you know i, I think anyone that gambles on nascar anyone that you know, puts their picks out there on Twitter or does a podcast like this one or does like YouTube channel live streams or whatever the case. I think it's like a huge relief, like to hear that like NASCAR does consider that like you called it like a shiny object, right? You guys are are busting down that door. They've got their attention on you guys now. And now for everybody else, it's like, yes, like they do get it. Like the future is huge because maybe if they, you know, dive even more into it, you know, the, the way that we can bet on gambling on NASCAR will even expand and, and the sport you know, the will plan. make it bigger. Yeah. I mean, that's huge. It's, it's so cool. And that's a, that's a great point because I originally reached out because I lose outs places to bet rather frequently. And I was, I need to grow the handle just to help kind of make my own bets. Right. So if I can just grow, keep growing that handle, more people are getting interested and, you know, make the market a little bit more efficient. There's a long way to go there. So there's still a lot of money to be made between now and then. Hopefully I can keep outs longer. And uh, I think that you'll see, I think you'll see sharper odds uh, as this sport begins to grow, especially on the, the, the gambling side. But it's, it's been a fun uh, couple of weeks for sure. That's awesome. So I've heard you give a, a background. You and I, you know, got connected through Derek's Twitter spaces show. You've jumped on all year um, kind of like asking usually like the first question, but then you've also been on like as someone who's like making picks as well. And then you kind of came out and said like, yeah, I'm actually a, a, a pro gambler. It's like, that's why you're asking such good questions. <laughs> um, yeah. So how, you know, I've heard, I've heard you explain in the past a uh, few different times, like kind of where you came from and, and how you got to that point. But if you could, just for anyone who listens to this might not have heard it before, like you kind of start off in pretty conservative spot and, and uh, yeah. it all changed, right. When you, when you move. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, from a small town in Michigan, I went to a small private school, uh, got a degree in economics and thought I wanted to go work on wall street. That was about 2007, 2008. Uh, not a great time to be interested in doing that, or at least finding a job, uh, moved out to Scottsdale, Arizona and caddied at a golf course and yeah, culture shock. I mean, I went from, you know, never betting on, you know, the sun coming up because just in case, like, like that's, that's what scares me is like losing the $5 bet. Not the fact that we are in deep trouble. If the sun doesn't come up, it's more like I would never want to lose $5 to now, um, you know, just kind of, <laughs> if someone says something like, Hmm, you want to bet and <laughs> to the point where people kind of watch what they say around me or if, especially if they're making like a you know kind of a, a shot in the dark like so and so is going to win or this bet's a lock and like I, I don't even need to know what the bet is but anyone that says a bet's a lock I'll just take the other side just out of principle uh, you know most people uh, that talk about that uh, tend to struggle would be my anyway <laughs> um, so i I ended up moving in with a buddy and he was a big sports better. I mean, he bet on everything. And so I kind of got to see kind of the full gambit of what it is to be um, someone that just kind of spends their, their weekends and their nights betting on sports, but he was definitely making money on NASCAR and the payouts were much better than just uh, you know, a coin toss or a, you know, whatever, a minus minus one ten both ways or your, whatever it may be. And so I started doing it with him. And I remember the first bet. I don't remember what it was like 2012, uh, 
Daytona 500. I think Jamie McMurray won. You would know better than me, but I just, I didn't know anything about the sport really, but that was my first like, Hey, I'm going to do this. And I said, I, I made, you know, I remember I made $249 and oh my gosh, you would have thought I won the lottery. I was just, oh my gosh. Like, oh, I mean, that's like a day's worth of work. And I bet on NASCAR and I was drinking and hanging out with my friends. This is like the greatest, you know, greatest day of my life and I've come a long way since then. And yeah, I just kind of been very fortunate, connected with the right people. And I eventually got into, after caddying, got into sales and then started my own hair product company, which is, let me, if I can give anybody some advice out there, do not rebrand and launch a hair product company a week before the world shuts down for a pandemic. That is really, really bad for uh, the high-end men's line. So uh, fortunately, uh, the investors in the brand, you know, they know what I do uh, kind of on the side there for so long. And they said, hey, you have to do this. Like, we'll hire someone to run the company. Like, you need to go pursue this because that's what you do. You know, even like, like I said, these guys have a lot of money invested. And they're like, no, no, you need to go do that. This is what you do. You're a gambler. And um, wow. you know, the, they were, I was very fortunate to have them just kind of say, go ahead, go do it. And so I officially started doing it when I became legal in, in Arizona last year. That's unreal that that's like, you know, terrible luck but also great luck that you know you had people around you that were just like you know believing in you and just saying go for it you know what i mean that's that's awesome Gave yeah the it only took to them maybe one race of them they, they like to bet on sports too so it's not like they're not making money off of good races so don't feel too bad for them <laughs> um, yes yeah. well I, I can tell you anybody that follows chris on twitter you know, you got your, your avatar on there and or your picture on there. The hair is real. I'm on Zoom with him right now. It's phenomenal. So, you know, give the hair company a look because he yeah. knows what he's doing. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, I, I don't I'm not necessarily the best NASCAR better in the universe, but I'm the best. I have the best hair of people that bet on NASCAR. <laughs> I'm going to say that. That's that's probably a, a, a lock, as, uh, as you said. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. <exactly. laughs> um, so, yeah, very cool. And then. I've been, I have so many different questions. I probably am not going to ask them all in, in uh, a fluent, you know, conversation, yeah. but I've, I've thought of a bunch of different things as we knew that this was coming up. Um, one was, was NASCAR like always your deal, like growing up or like, how did you find NASCAR as a niche? And is it like your absolute like niche or did you also bet on other sports. Do you currently bet on like a, a plethora of other sports as well that you put the same amount of effort into? Cause I know Todd, I know I follow him, you know, he, he comments on Twitter about um, a, a lot of different sports. So I wasn't sure if you uh, NASCAR was like your top, but there were others or if it's like all in on, uh, on NASCAR. So that's a, it's kind of interesting that the sports betting world, the, the winners, I guess, are the people that are kind of long-term winners it's pretty small. There's not a ton of people that do it very successfully. And it's amazing how you kind of end up on a group chat or you end up at a, you know, a sports betting function where it's like, Oh yeah, you're pretty successful too. So I do have access to a lot of guys that I don't have an opinion on other sports. I, if I did, it would be golf, but I'm such like close friends with some players and, and a lot of the caddies out there that I have enough rooting interest you know, I mean, what I bet on one matchup 
in the sprint cup series, I could lose every bet I make on all other sports, you know, and, you know, not lose money. So it's, yeah, yeah. I do bet other sports, but it's more like, you know, we're at the bar or hanging out with friends or I'm going to watch a game. I'll just, I, I'll arbitrarily pick something that based on line movement. I mean, I, I still bet some NFL, I get some NFL plays from guys or, or college football plays, but I, I do enjoy betting golf. I mean, I love it, but it's also uh, very small relative to, I mean, not, not even, I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, <laughs> it's I care. not the same, you know, not yeah. the same at all. So then I, I want to ask you about like a day in the life, but, but also um, just the, the mindset, right? Cause, cause a second ago you were just saying like, you went from the, you know, not wanting to bet against the sun coming up to, you know, you'll kind of take everything. And, and I totally understand that, that mentality, but I've also heard you like as a professional gambler, it seems like an oxymoron, but you almost have to be more conservative than someone like myself when it comes to like a weekly, you know, bet like last week, for example, you know, you kind of stayed away from Atlanta. It sounded like um, just because of the the craziness that could have unfolded, you'd like to have it more um, predictable. I, you know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but um, it's a strange thought process, right. To, to be a pro gambler, but you know, you're, you're a little bit more risk adverse than some of the general people out there. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, I give my friends bets, like, like a little private little discord for my friends that, you know, I want to follow and make sure that they get a decent price and stuff like that. And they're like, wait, that's it. You're only going to bet three matchups and one outright. <laughs> well, guys, what do you, what do you want? Do you want me to say like, I like this, this, and this too, but just not as much, uh, you know, and it's a constant battle of, you know, for ROI and like, I could probably sacrifice a little bit of an ROI, which is basically, so like, for example, when I explain ROI, I'll just go over it really quickly. Um, like Billy Walter survived on it, like a 12 to 15% ROI, meaning every dollar that he bet, he made, you know, between 12 and 15 cents. And I, I don't quote me on that. I think it's somewhere similar. It might be 18, who knows? Well, it's a little higher in NASCAR. And so but here's the thing. I could probably make more money because I'd get more dollars out if I bet eight to 10 matchups. My ROI might go down, but I might make more money because there's more action in play. So here's the thing. I don't think that I like how I bet for myself because I understand my reaction. And when I lose, I if, if I lose and it's just kind of a fluke, I'm mad for five seconds and then, okay, you know, blown tires happen. You know, you hope that at the end of the year that everything kind of all equals out and you do get lucky. But um, like, I just get very rattled if I make a stupid mistake. And like it, it so I am much more of a low volume better, but everything is odds dependent. I don't come into a week and say, oh, I'm going to bet 10 units or uh, I'm going to bet to win 10 units everything is dependent upon the price that I get and, or the matchup. Sometimes, sometimes odds makers do a good job and there's not a lot of value and I'm okay. Just sitting that out and saying, you know what, I'm going to go enjoy time with my family. And, um, you know, I'll probably still watch the race. Cause I think it's really important to watch live with lap times to understand who is really good and who isn't, even if you rewatch the race, you can't do that. So, uh, and obviously live betting, you know, that is the, where I make most of my bets from an outright perspective, 
uh, by lot. So I think if anyone is interested in betting NASCAR, it's important to tune in for the whole race. You never know when, you know, someone's going to blow a tire while leading. And if you can get the second place guy, you know, at whatever five to one or arbitrary, but yeah. Um, yeah, that's. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and I totally understand that mentality, like from, from that perspective. Now, you mentioned you got the the best job in the world, right? So what does that look like on a daily basis? Cause I, yeah. you could, you could probably have, you know, when you hear like, okay, you know, Chris, Wormy, pro gambler, m- many different things probably pop into different people's heads. You know what I mean? So, so what is that like on a daily yeah. basis for, for yourself? Yeah. That's, that is another hard thing is someone I say, so what do you do for work? Yeah. I'm like, um, <laughs> you got to roll your eyes. What do you want me to say? Yeah. Like, I'm a NASCAR analyst. Oh, what, what do you do? Oh, I have a podcast. Oh, what's it about? Well, it's about betting on NASCAR. Oh, you're a gambler. Yeah, I'm a gambler. Um, yeah. Oh, and then they're almost like, yeah, there's a negative connotation there. Gambler, you know, that, that, that's a guy that's eventually going to lose everything for him and his family, you know, yeah, you're right. I'm not saying as much now as it was, you know, five years ago, but there's definitely that, that gambling mentality and it has ruined people's lives. And I've had friends that have really struggled with it. So I, I don't know. I just say I have a podcast now and hopefully people just kind of <laughs> go, get on with it. But from a day-to-day basis, it's still important to have a routine. Uh, you know, I, I'm a, I read all the time. I mean, I try to read, you know, I, I shoot for four hours a day and I probably get three, uh, but I wake up really early. I wake up at four uh, almost every day and I, cause I'm very ADD. And once I start working, I can't just start reading again. So I like to read for, you know, two hours right off, right off the bat and everything. And that's, that includes race day. Usually I'm depending on when odds are populating because, you know, I, I have access to the Don best screen, which is going to be different odds than most legal books are going to have. Um, and then, you know, I guess on a weekly basis, Monday is kind of a, okay, let's take a look in what happened yesterday. Usually it's, I've had a pretty good season this year, so I'm not too bummed out. Uh, or I haven't been, but trying to really objectively look back at, at the race and okay, what can I learn moving forward? How can I take the information that uh, I received yesterday during the race and how can I apply that to making money in the future? So that's kind of Monday. And then Tuesday, I, I like to hop on. I mean, we're, we're filming this on a Tuesday. It's get kind of prepping for, you know, the, the next race. I mean, it's time to move on. I mean, I always watch the race from the year before. So this morning I watched um, I watched the Loudon race, um, and try to be as objective as possible to make sure that, you know, what I'm going to take away from that race can help give me an edge to this race. And, you know, Wednesday, it's a lot of stats stuff. Um, typically, like I said, I'll still wake up early. I'll still do my, I'll still read. Uh, and then, but it's also, you know, de- track dependent. You know, Loudon is a great track. And so, but also you also had a really unexpected winner last week in, or last year in Almirola. So, okay. How did that happen? You know, what, what did I, how can I use that information to make money this week? And then Thursday would be my chill day because that's, uh, there's really not much going on Thursdays. I don't do much. And then Friday it's practice and qualifying. And, you know, there, I bet the trucks and Xfinity, and then the Sunday's the cup race. Here's the cool thing. 
once your family and your friends know that this is like your job, they don't bother you. Nope. I got a race. Okay, cool. And it's never <laughs> like, Oh, come on. You can let it go this week. So I do get to spend a lot of time watching. I watch a lot of older races, not older, like just, you know, within things that I think might be relevant and that's it. And then I do the podcast on Wednesdays with Todd. I like to pop on the Twitter spaces with Derek. You know, he does a great job for the NASCAR gambling community. And I, I get to talk about NASCAR all the time. It's awesome. That that sounds fantastic. I mean, it sounds like you would recommend it if you could pull that off. I'd recommend it. Else. I'd recommend <laughs> it. Yeah, exactly. Very cool. Um, awesome. So I guess anything else from like a, a pro gambler perspective, like that side of the spectrum um, that you think, you know, is worth mentioning, kind of setting ourselves up for our conversation we're going to have for, okay. for New Hampshire, like anything that, you know, you feel like is relevant to call out is like the way that you, the lens that you view races through or, or setting up. Yes. So I, I don't, I don't really think there's bad bets. And here's what I mean by that. I think that you could make a case a lot of the times for either driver. There's a lot of guys that have models and they have a ton of data that they're bringing in whether it's, you know, um, driver rating, green flag speed, finishing, you know, average starting position. There's a lot of those that, that have a model. I don't use a model, but, and like I said, I don't think there's good or bad bets. The amount of data you can kind of make anything sound more convincing either way, where the good gamblers set themselves apart is there are good explanations and there are bad explanations. And the explanation is the most important part of the bet. The reason for that is you can go back and say, Hey, was my explanation right? Did I get this right? And if not, where was I wrong? And how can I make sure that the next time I run into this type of situation or this particular bet, how can I learn from that and actually grow my knowledge for the sport? It is so important. And that's why I think it's hard what you guys do on Wednesday nights, just picking matchups. Like you have to pick a side. It's like, I don't have a side. <laughs> I don't yeah. know what you want me to do. So yeah. the explanations are the most important part to the bet. That makes all the sense in the world. I mean, I think we've talked about it in, in either the Twitter space to show or, or one of the red flag uh, shows that you guys started up was, you know, if you can defend it, it's not, you know, something, it was still a good bet. And if it didn't work out in your, your favor due to, you know, an act of God or whatever, then, you know, it, it, you don't feel like it was a, a huge whiff. It wasn't a strike. It was just, um, you know, it didn't go your way that time and you, you'd place the bet again. If you can feel that way, then that's, that's worth it. So, um, yeah, exactly. I think that makes sense. To, to piggyback on that, there's a great book called thinking in bets by Annie Duke and oh, she talks player? about biases. Yeah. I would, I recommend anyone, if you want to be good at this, you have to read a little bit. I mean, <laughs> yeah, like it, it'll, you'll realize how little, you know, about the world and that humility can actually make you a a better gambler in my opinion, but you know, you have to objectively look back. Hey, was I right? Or was I wrong? You know, if you had Corey LaJoy in the top anything this week, you were right. Did you get paid? No, but you were right. And whatever explanation you use to bet on Corey LaJoy, you were right. And you should implement that next time you find a similar bet on a, on a plate track. So I recommend thinking in bets. It's a great book. That's a good call out. I have to look that up. And um, I think that whole last, you know, 
thing that you just ran through there makes all the sense of the world. So anyone listening is definitely going to benefit from that type of, you know, thought process, uh, no matter how you bet on NASCAR. Um, so good stuff. We'll transition to some of the, the news of the day, and then we'll get into New Hampshire. Um, we weren't planning on talking about this, uh, Chris, but they, they dropped the news on us today that Tyler Reddick has decided to leave RCR, not next year, but the year after, 2024, he got signed by 2311 Racing, Denny Hamlin, Michael Jordan, that whole squad. And there are still some shoes to drop around this whole thing uh, as far as like how it's all going to unfold. But when you heard that news, let's just start there. When you heard that news, what was your reaction? Um, I, I, I was just like, what? Wait, what? hang on. <laughs> and then And then it was like, Okay, get my bearings. Okay, that makes sense. But it's also you have a whole year where he's staying with, you know, he's going to be with RCR, but he's leaving. It's almost like a lame duck driver, you know, that's eventually going to be gone. And then it was like, okay, processed. And then you start to see how they announced it. I'm like, okay, hang on here. Wait, this is what happened. And then you see RCR's comments and you're like, oh, what is okay, what is, what's going on? I, I was like trying to wrap my head around it so quickly, but ultimately as a gambler, I just had to say, where's the opportunity here? Where, how can I make money? What information can we glean from this situation and say, and apply it uh, in the future? I, I have no idea what this means. Uh, I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. I, I'm not as well-versed in the silly season stuff as you are. So I'm, I'm just, and I know you look at, I know you're so excited. Look at you over there. Like, oh, just I I'm, can't wait to talk. I'm just flabbergasted to be honest with you. And, and you, your point about the opportunity, like where's the opportunity, you know, down the road, what's the, you know, that is definitely worth thinking about. My mind is going a, a mile a minute because you look at it from the Tyler Reddick perspective. You have to look at it from all angles, right? There's three mm -hmm. angles. You have the driver, you have the team he's going to, and the team he's leaving. So if you start with Reddick, I don't understand. To me, it seems like a lateral move. It's a horizontal move. I don't see that as a, like Chris uh, from Flag Hunting and I talked on, on the Flag Hunting podcast a few weeks ago about Silly Season, and we talked about Reddick at length. And we were saying, you know, if he's going to make a move, it better be for a team that's a lot better than RCR. And I don't, I don't see 2311 as a lot better than RCR. They're a two-car shop. They didn't disclose if they were going to be moving to a three-car team. Denny Hamlin specifically said on Dale Jr.'s podcast, like, moving to a three-car shop is where you lose money. So, like, it didn't seem like at that time that was something that was, you know, really on his radar. I can understand from 2311 standpoint of trying to sign what looks to be a big time future talent in the sport. So you lock him up. Sure. But if you're Reddick, I think if you just held on at RCR, you resign, you know, for another year, or you just waited out another spot at a bigger team may have opened up. And if it doesn't, then you go and, and make a lateral move. If you really want out of RCR. So bigger, bigger, better. You just think Gibbs or. Hendrick Gibbs Hendrick and then you kind of have to so Gibbs represents the Toyota big and better Chevy is the Hendrick group and then you got to give either Penske or or uh Stuart Haas 
a look. Now, Stuart Haas is down. Ford is, is generally down this year. But next year, things could change. By the end, start of 2024, or if he re-signs with RCR for you know a, couple, a year after that, 2025, this world's going to look a lot different. So maybe Stuart Haas does become you know a big, bad guy on the block again, or Logano has problems and he wants out. You never know. So um, I, I just would have held on. Now, Let's look at RCR because this is eerily similar to my favorite driver of all time, Casey Kane. He's pretty much the reason why I got into NASCAR gambling was because he never won races. So I needed to have another dog in the fight. Um, Casey, when he was driving for Richard Petty in the nine car, did the same exact thing. He, he signed a gap year, basically contract with Hendrick, expecting Petty to keep him on. And they just said, fuck you. Like, we don't want you anymore. And that's when he ended up driving for Red Bull during that gap year. The the absolute sickest paint scheme of all time was the, the number four Red Bull car, in my opinion. And that was the, the year before, you know, the Hendrick deal. And if you look at Casey Kane's, like, career growth, I really think that that hurt him. Like, he was supposed to be the next it guy. You know what I mean? And, and Hendrick had their, their squad locked up for a really long time. And it never really came to fruition with Casey Kane. There was too much hype. He had, a, he put the resume together with, with Richard Petty Motorsports. That gap year was a killer. And it would not surprise me if RCR did the same exact thing to, to Reddick. I don't know how you couldn't, but you laid it out there. Like they were shocked. They, they were upset. They were the last to know. It's, it seemed like. Yeah. It's almost like they the found news. out they found out either at the same time or like minutes before. Yeah. And yeah, it just, man, that Casey Kane, the four, um, man, I had him for a lot at Darlington. And then I think that's the race that uh, Regan Smith won. It's weird how you <laughs> just go back to that. Like, yeah. yeah when Regan Smith, uh, he took tires, I think on a restart. So it's just kind of interesting that, you know, you kind of go back in time, but you know, the Red Bull, he did win in the Red Bull car, didn't he? He won the second to last race at Phoenix. He won. And in the, in the Red oh, Bull okay. car. Um, I don't remember that. Yeah. Yeah. That's the type of stuff. You know what I mean? Like I was, yeah, yeah, cause yeah. I was like at the time I'm thinking, yes, this, like, this is perfect. Second, he's got this momentum. He's going to Hendrick. This is going to be awesome. And then it just kind of fizzled. And I'm nervous as someone who's cheering for Reddick. Like I I'm, I'm a Reddick fan i guess yeah. you could say so like who is it this is a strange move it's just a strange move all around and if they so what's do, he do if rcr what's if it, rcr says later that's that's the thing you're gonna have to go to a red bull like team right red bull basically like was existing for a few years um i, I think they picked up like the bk racing shop or, or maybe i'm wrong but the, the you know the burger king team yeah. and uh that doesn't exist right now. Like there, there are no openings right now. You know, he could race for a, a Rick Ware team, but uh, you know, it's, it's a dicey game to play. If you're Redick, you know, talk about gambling. Like this is a gamble on his part to do this great move by Denny Hamlin. I, I think that, you know, from their perspective, it's a win. They can either move to a three car shop or they can boot one of those guys out. Maybe Kurt's retiring, who knows, uh, or Bubba's not getting it done two car shop. And now you got one of the best young drivers in NASCAR. Great job by them. W for them. RCR. If they keep him for another year, man, like that is the biggest soft move. I could remember if that is the way it folds, because you could go out, you could cut Reddick, 
say, all right, we're not having this, you know, lame duck season. Like you said, mm-hmm. there are other drivers that they could develop. Noah Gregson yeah. on Twitter today, like Chris from flag oh, hunting yeah. sent me the text. Like he sent the yeah. smiley face. He's waiting in the wings, man. Like, so Chevy's got guys that get thrown into that seat if they want to kick Reddick to the curb. So uh, there's still things, like I said, there's about like Josh there. Berry. I'd Barry, rather have Josh Berry. I mean, any of those guys, I, Josh Berry, I'm fine with if you're RCR, it, you know, if you're part of their leadership team, Josh Berry, if that's available, totally 100%. I think uh, Gregson, you know, the reason I brought him up was obviously because what he said on Twitter and yeah. the fact that like the last three seasons, it feels like everyone's been like, okay, so is Gregson going to cup? Gregson to cup. He's obviously going to be a uh, entertainment factor when he gets up there because he's just a loose cannon. It seems like, um, mm-hmm. so maybe that rubs people the wrong way, but I I'll tell you what, I wish there were odds on if Tyler Reddick was driving the eight car to start the 2023 season, because I would take the no, because that's what it should be. If you're at RCR right going? now, Xfinity okay. somewhere Question. else. Um, Kyle Busch still doesn't have a ride, right? He did not resign yet. That, that, that news, somebody wrote an article like Jordan Bianchi or somebody put something out. Like he has, the talks have not really gone anywhere yet. Yes. So I, 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 mean, think, is, I think is it with, is it one of those things where Denny was like, all right, well, if Kyle doesn't get signed and you get booted by RCR, we'll just throw you in the 18. Get you. Oh man. Oh man. I don't know. I mean, that could be a, that could be a stretch, but I have no, like the fact that Kyle Bush hasn't signed is crazy to me. It so, is. It, it's but, almost like, well, if go ahead, go ahead. If it's, it's almost like, no, what? I just, I just think like, if, if I know that he has, he's tough. Kyle's tough, but man, he can get a car headed the right direction almost in oh, yeah. any circumstances. And I don't know why, like, and the other thing about Denny Hamlin, sorry to change it up real quickly. Is there, was there ever been discussion about Justin Marks adding a third team or a third car, excuse me, to, track house yes there there is discussion around that they are running a third car i think it's watkins glenn they're bringing uh, miko Wrighton in in from the f1 series yep. to to kind of like test the waters there now i don't think that there's um you know official plans i think they're just kind of like kicking the tires on it um they have not they, they would need a third charter you know and and the the those things would have to fall their way when it seems like there's a few other you know, sharks in the water now looking for charters. Um, so that type of stuff would have to unfold in their way. But um, didn't, did Denny say that just to like, Hey, the third team is where you lose money. Just so Justin Marks doesn't quickly get a third team and maybe nab up another driver. I don't know. I'm just kind of curious to like, what, what is going on right now? It's kind of like a very, like, I thought we'd be talking about Chastain and, and Denny getting into it and, you know, Chastain just exactly. making less and less friends. And now, well, that's gone. Yeah. I didn't even, we didn't even, it's, no one's even talking about that anymore. Last week's flavor. Yeah. Last week's yeah, uh, yeah. special. It doesn't matter it like anymore. Sunday and Monday's flavor. And then Tuesday it's like <laughs> oh, something else. It's crazy. But the thing is like you had mentioned Kyle, right? Kyle is at the exact point where they should be renegotiating uh, in this season. It used to be like October, November. That's when silly season really took off. Then the jokes like five years back were like, okay, well now like July is like silly season. This is crazy. What Tyler Reddick did 
was like I said, other than Casey Kane, that's the only like precedence we have for that. And in Jordan Bianchi's write up of this situation, they were saying that Hendrick and you know Stuart Haas and Penske they were all getting ready to make pitches to him this time next year. It was a year early, mm-hmm. so it's taken everyone by surprise and kind of like messing up the market almost. Um, kind of like when a you know an NFL player like quarterback signs for a ridiculous deal or something like that, it screws everything up. So it's 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 sending you know shockwaves. Now I think Kyle is going to resign it. Uh, Joe Gibbs, they'd be silly to let him walk. Like you said, he's he's a wheel man. He doesn't have he doesn't have any real. Where's he go? Yeah, I I, if he wants to race, I I would have to think (laughs) he could just race full time in trucks. Like that would be crazy. Um, I think that he wants to keep going, and if he wants to keep going, Joe Gibbs would be absolutely silly to to not let him ride the eighteen. So I think that uh, news will break probably like August um, that they yeah. signed that. So yeah, wild stuff. And like you said, where's the opportunity down the road? I think the, the opportunity really is to fade whatever the hell number Reddick's going to be riding in the 24th first uh, half of that season. Cause I think it's going to be, you know, a Casey Kane type situation, but we'll, we'll see what happens. Like I said, long time, a lot, a lot of things going to happen in the world before then. So, uh, but wild news the world loves a good story so here's this this is my the, the work like the universe just loves the best story usually happens what if reddit goes on a little run here what if he goes on a run i mean he's been competitive he at all types of tracks i just think he's good at loudon he was good <laughs> last year like okay and he now has won and i think you look at those chase races man you get through that second round and those are going to be some decent tracks for him. I don't know. I, I'm just uh, trying to so throw. Are you little... saying what if he goes on a run from like our RCR's perspective? Like yeah. you got to keep like, the championship. What if he goes, what if he makes it into the, what if he makes it in the final four this year? Yeah. I mean, that is, there was something that unfolded that way in the Xfinity series last year. I think Hemrick was racing and he had already signed for colleague and colleague had AJ in the, the finals. So he was a lame duck driver in the finals. Um, and, and I guess he won, or maybe it wasn't him. Yeah, he won. He did win. Um, yeah, he did. Yeah. So I mean, that, that scenario existed last year in Xfinity now less of a spotlight cause it's lower series, but, um, yeah, I, I guess in that scenario, you do have to kind of pump the brakes if you're RCR, but I, I would be too scorned. You know what I mean? If I was leadership there to, to let that fly. But yeah, uh, I agree. It'll be interesting you, to see. I'm curious. You know, I could talk about silly season all, oh, all night. I so we got to move to what people are here to hear you talk about, which is New Hampshire. You had told me in a text earlier, New Hampshire is one of your best tracks. And yep. I want to know to get us going here in the New Hampshire talk. What are some of the things that you look at? Maybe, you know, on a weekly basis, you had mentioned like people's models. Like I have the things that I like to look at on a weekly basis to kind of center me and, and, you know, the guys that I'm looking at comparing to the odds and that sort of thing. What do you look at? What do you see right now for New Hampshire and how's everything kind of like unfolding on your, your board? Yeah. Like I said, last year, I try not to look too much into history. I think you have to kind of look at it. Maybe you look at history of a driver, you know, let's just for I'm not comparing them as drivers, but like Cole Custer's history at Loudon versus Kevin Harvick's are very different. Right. So 
you have to, I think it's very important to look at kind of like from 30,000 feet, you know, where are the good tracks for like uh, Logano or Hamlin, you know, you know, you look at Hamlin, a high tire wear track, like he's great at conserving his tires. So when I'm looking at history, I don't factor that in as much as, Hey, this is like the asterisks. Like, Hey, if someone is going to pull it out at Richmond with a three-legged donkey, Denny Hamlin could be that guy. Not that I'm jaded <laughs> over that comment, but Denny, give me something better than that before you go win a race. Um, so I think, look, I look at that. I don't factor it in as much as I do the previous season. Now we're really hard. We got two different cars, but there are things that you can take. So for example, um, what I'm looking at is for the tracks that I feel that are comparable, you know, they're on the same tire as, you know, Phoenix, Richmond and gateway. Here's why I didn't include gateway. If you're at Phoenix or you're at Richmond and you've had a 30 lap run and there's a caution and you've got 20 to go, everyone's pitting and taking four. Everyone. There's not, I mean, someone will stay out for maybe take two, but they're not serious about winning the race. They're just serious about getting the best finish. Gateway, when you have enough fuel to last a green white checkered, you are not going back on pit road. I mean, even though it's the same tire. I don't think it's the same. It, it might drive similarly, but I think that tire fall off is just so different between Phoenix, Richmond versus Gateway that I didn't include that. Now, could I be wrong? Absolutely. Let me say that again. I could 100% be wrong by not including Gateway. And if I hear a compelling argument as to why I'm wrong, I'll change my mind. Changing your mind is a superpower. And you can go <laughs> yeah. from, you know, being wrong to being right instantly just by saying, Oh, I could be wrong. And someone gives you a complaint. Oh, you're right. And it's like, I'm so excited that I was wrong. And I'm so happy you were there to say, Hey, have you thought about this and this? So I'm just looking at so far, just the two races this year. And I will put the most emphasis on that. Um, I will then look back, you know, last year, a different car, and I can get into more about what I looked at last year. Do you want me to kind of go through this a little bit? Um, whatever you feel. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever you feel. Well, well, Eric Almarola won last year. Right. And now again, a little bit of an asterisk next to that one with the rain and you get the 18 and you know, it was like 11, dark 19. out, wasn't it <laughs> dark, you know, and by the way, Chris Bell wins that race if it's not dark, but you know, but Logano, I thought was kind of the best car. So, um, a lot of people are high on Elmerola this week. Wow, really bold. You're taking the guy that won last year at the track where he's career best. That's amazing. You you probably like to um, intermittent fasting too, and um, you know, no blue light before bed, like all those other things that everyone like. So um, I think what a lot of people are missing is Elmerola was actually a lot better at Richmond and Phoenix last year. He qualified poorly, but he raced really well. So I'm not seeing those same kinds of numbers out of Almarola this year at those two tracks. Last year, Denny Hamlin, Joey Logano, Martin Trix Jr. all had the, the best average finish on those two tracks. Now, I didn't include the second half of the year because I want to be on the same like level ground. And I think once you throw in any time that you're going to use the track, and that particular race was the end of the year. You could just throw that out. Oh, that yeah. doesn't matter. Without a doubt. Without Unless a doubt. 
unless it was something like Harvick was actually kind of in the mix last year at Phoenix. I remember live betting Harvick thinking like, wow, if anyone is going to win at Phoenix, it's not in the final four. Well, it's going to be him. And so he ran, he was fast there. So that's the only time I've seen it. I mean, I guess Homestead, you, you have the random Larson, but he'll just kind of stay out of the way if he's not leading. Um, so I wanted, I only took the first two races, you know, the, the Phoenix and Richmond race before Loudon. I didn't include those second two races. I didn't feel like that was necessary because I want it to be like an apples to apples comparison. And the guys that were good, Logano and Hamlin, I mean, their average finish over those two tracks was two and a half and Truex was three. Uh, Chris Bell was six and a half. So it made sense why those guys were so good. Like if you look back at the comparable tracks from last year, yeah. You also see Eric Amarola qualify. His average qualifying was 27th and his best in his finish was eight and a half. So that to me says that car last year was good on whatever tire in that car. I'm not seeing the same numbers this year from Almirola. Now I think he's been in the mix, but he's also qualified better. So obviously he's just running more up front. So that's, those are the things I'm kind of looking at um, just a, you know, kind of a little bit of a dive into the comparable tracks and why, and how I kind of justify Logano and who some of the people that I thought were good last year. I want to make sure that I'm not missing anything. So kind of recap the race from last year and then try to do the same thing and hope that everything will line up similarly. That, so I try to, you know, take a little something from everybody that I speak with that have the ability to talk to. And, and, you know, I'm always anxious to hear how people, you know, like I said, I, I threw the numbers that I usually look at together and just to kind of get myself like, you know, ready for the week and that sort of thing to kind of feel safe and like I'm ready to go. And I'm anxious to hear what other people do. And that breakdown that you just gave was great. The, the not including gateway, the reasoning behind it totally, you know, I understand that mentality. And then what you just said about Amarola looking at the last two, I totally agree with you. Like not including the later um, races of the year, Richmond, Phoenix, that's something that like I've I have not done that. I have not gone back in years past. I think maybe an argument would be like, well, it's a brand new car. But, you know, that being said, you're it's the same car this year. So Almarola is not performing in that exactly. track this year um, compared to, to last year. And that's not something that I've done before. So I, I'm definitely going to, you know, try to include that in my prep moving forward, you know, when that opportunity arises, because that's a, a great way of looking at something um, to try to get an edge on, you know, somebody who's been good or, or kind of has. Right. The- or why they win the race. You know, you look back and it's like, what, where, now, the funny thing is I was supposed to go to that damn race and our flight got delayed to the point where, and I would have been live betting the hell out of it. And I, <laughs> I was on like the end of like a trip. We've been gone for like, like two weeks. And I was like, you know, what? I just want to get home. I'm tired. I don't need to go to the race. My girlfriend's still never seen a race. We've been together for like two and a half years and never seen a race. Do you go um, to a lot of races like throughout the year? I, I, I will. Yeah. I mean, not this year. Uh, you know, I spend my summers now in Canada, like a snowbird. Um, so Scottsdale in the, the summer and then, or Scottsdale in the winter and then, um, Vancouver, BC in the the summer. 
you are yeah everything about this conversation man (laughs) you're living the life (laughs) yeah so anyway i was supposed to go to the race it was funny because i just didn't bet it we actually traveled home that day and you know then there was like a long delay so i get to catch the end of the race but even my girlfriend will agree I was looking at the, she said, well, who would you bet? I go, to be honest, I really don't know who's going to win of the top guys, but Eric Amarola 80 to one, I feel like would be like, I would nibble that. And so whenever you have something like that and you see, he's actually good. I would have fired. Not that it was, should have been right. But anytime you have like this confirmation bias, like, I don't even know where he started. I guess I could look, but I I know I would have fired. I mean, it probably cost me cost me $10,000 to like decide to fly home and not go to the race. I'm like, Oh man. So, uh, kind of a bummer, but also like, kind of like, Hey babe, remember I told you Elmerola was going to be good. <laughs> yeah. You look you know? good. Yeah. She's like, Oh sweet. <laughs> you know, I'll heat up dinner. <laughs> so that's great. Well, um, that is, did, did you have a question? I went on a little tangent there. No, no. I, I was just commenting on, on your prep. I mean, you know, the, the looking at last year. So what do you think about, you know, the, the way I broke things down just by, for myself, I think I definitely have more of a simplistic run at it than what you're probably doing. Um, rightfully so, but I'm looking at the, the three races. I did include gateway. Um, my reasoning for including gateway. Once I saw, like you mentioned the, you know, we, we call the, the similar flat, short tracks gateway is one of them but once i saw that the you know tire was the same um there as well that was like okay that's a notch in that belt but um for me you know the fact that i don't have enough of a sample size you know two races it's great that we have two races to go off of if you're not including gateway like three is better than two as some you know, sort of thing to kind of hang your hat on for 2022 in the next gen car. Um, So that's why, you know, if we want to talk about the other end of it, I'm not um, wholeheartedly saying like, yeah, got to include gateway. But when I was doing my numbers, I did include uh, gateway in there. And, and that was the reason was because, you know, I needed more from 2022. And then I looked back at uh, the last five at New Hampshire. Um, So it was a total of like eight races that I was looking at. And uh, so more emphasis on the actual racetrack itself um, in in terms of like the aggregate, you know, numbers that are coming out five compared to the three. But um, I also have a second set of numbers that I'm looking at just for this year. Now, uh, one thing that I usually look at is green flag speed. You had mentioned to me before, you don't like green flag speed. Tell me what's up. Well, and I could be wrong on this too. I've just never factored it in. I think it's more important, more important than green flag speed. If you're watching the race and you're watching lap times, you know who the fastest guy is. And I think this year more than ever, when it's been hard to pass, green flag speed is so track position dependent. I mean, there's a reason that Blaney has had the fastest green flag speed, but Blaney hasn't passed a soul in traffic. He's just been up front. And so that to me is not an indication of a good car. That's the indication of someone that qualifies well and can kind of hang on. But I don't know if you've noticed this, but if Blaney gets a penalty, he's no longer at the front for the rest of the day. He is fighting to get back to like a 12th. It's almost like survival mode where you see guys that go to the rear, like Denny Hamlin loves to do it. Chris Bell loves to do it. They're passing cars. I think it's more important to see a car 
more than ever, a car that can make passes. It might not be the fastest car. It's the car that works on the top and the bottom, which is very different than just speed. So uh, that's why I haven't incorporated it. I feel like passing good cars, just, you have to, we have to watch it. You have to take the time and watch it and you have to watch lap times. And, um, if you're not doing that, you can't do what I do. You can't, no one could just, I can't even rewatch a race and do that. So that's, that's why I don't use green flag speed. I, I'm not saying that there's not a time and a place for it. Maybe a road course because it's longer, but ultimately you, you know, who's passing cars. Like at, let's just say it take road America. Um, I don't know. I bet I can guess fastest green flag speed was obviously would say a chase. Um, and then Reddick, but those are two guys that led, but outside of that, I'm kind of curious. I mean, it had to have been Larson, but Larson, all he did was get passed. I mean, what he finished fourth, but, or third, but he got pat. Oh no, he finished fourth. Right. Cause he got passed late. Either way. It doesn't matter. Larson wasn't going to pass anybody. So he might be third in green flag speed, but to be honest, Suarez passed a lot more cars and finished two spots behind him. Truex passed a decent amount of cars kind of mid pack. So the things that I am looking at during the race, I can use in the future. Like I kind of had it in my head. Oh, Truex is kind of sneaky fast. Like no one ever talked about the Toyotas. All they did was kind of shit on them the entire, Oh, they're not up the front. Now Kyle Busch was bad, but Truex was passing decent cars and making decent lap time. Now he's probably nowhere on green flag speed. I got you nowhere, but he's, he made passes. I got you. I, I can I can subscribe to that uh, line of, of thinking for sure. Um, when you're watching the race and like you're saying I could use this information for later, like are you jotting this down in like some sort of notepad for, you know, the next time we're at a, a road course? Or is that like a general like, hey, you know, this car, this guy showed speed, passing a lot of cars like I can apply that to just like the season overall. Yeah, the season overall. I don't think that that carries over. Um, I don't even think it carries over like five races. You know, it's. It, I feel like NASCAR has like its cycles of like who's running good, who's not running good. You know, I mean, like William Byron just to me hasn't been that strong relative to his performance at the end of last year, you know, where he was, you know, it, Larson only had to beat him and Reddick to win the race, you know, and he did <laughs> uh, every time. Uh, so it, it's, it applies kind of in the short run, I would say just, but momentum is huge in the sport. And that's why I think Reddick, man, if he gets a little confidence, his speeds there, decent tracks. So I do apply it to, if I, if there's something that I usually leave a, a like a, I have a small dry erase board that I'll write notes on. If I do think it's really important, then I'll just take a picture of it and then I'll wipe it off. And, you know, that way I always have something to kind of scratch on. If, if I do think that there's something I need to remember, um, for future weeks. Yeah. So that, that makes a ton of sense. And, and it kind of falls into like the, the current form umbrella, like, yes. yep. you know, who's hot now, what are some reasons why guys have it going on right now? And, you know, you kind of let that fade away and, and there's new guys that kind of fill that um, yep. top yep. five, top 10, whatever you're looking at weeks yep. go by. So that makes sense. A lot of good information there about like kind of how to think about a race. Um, so now we can uh, transition, uh, you know, I know that you have uh, another pod. You're going to be joining our buddies at the flag hunting uh, podcast. So please 
if you're listening, give them a listen as well. Hear Chris over there this week. Also, let's get to the face-off. So the, the full tank face-off is something we started doing last year. And uh, it's the first time you're hearing about this. What I like to do whenever I have guests on is look at head-to-head matchups. Typically, if I'm solo, I'll end the, the podcast with just calling out three matchups of my own. But when I've got a guest on, I like to pick their brain. So what we're going to do is, uh, as the guest, Chris is going to go first. He's going to select a head-to-head matchup for any book and you know, let us know what book that is in case they want to um, tell you here, Chris, on these bets. And you will choose a driver in the matchup. I get stuck with whoever you uh, didn't choose, right? So then I will go second, and then you'll uh, you'll end it with the rubber match in the third. So it's a best of three matchup here. And I'm coming off of a, uh, a face-off last week with Chris from Flag yeah, Hunting, flag and it hunting. came down to the final lap. LaJoy won it for me when he wrecked. Uh, and took out a couple people along the way. So it, it gets pretty intense. And uh, I'm anxious because you had mentioned like head to heads, these matchups are really what you focus on. Um, so yes. this is going to be a tough, tough task for me with you choosing twice, but uh, I'll let's, let's let you go. I'll tee up here. Okay. And you have. Yeah. I do have like some disclaimers I have to put on some of this stuff. So okay. I think DraftKings is the only place that had odds up. If you're only using one book, you can't win. Okay. So that's rule number one. You need people say, well, what one should I have? All of them. Yes. You said All that before them. I've, I've been doing reviews, right. Of, of legal mm-hmm. sports books, trying to find like what my favorite one is, but you know, that doesn't necessarily mean like that's the only one you should be using. Right. So no. you're using them all just a quick side note. Like, do you have a favorite? Like, as far as like, you know, um, the, the way like interaction, UI, the odds, whatever. Um, yeah. Um, no, I don't have a favorite. I, I like the ones that allow me to win and not <laughs> limit me. Right they don't away. take you off the book. Uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, the, you know, there's ways that you can get limited pretty quickly. That's why, you know, if someone has a bad line, you know, I won't even bet it. It's like, wait, so I'm going to win like an account is worth X amount to me before I feel like I'm going to get booted. And so I have to be careful. Like if I can get to that amount where I'm willing to use it, lose it, then that's fine. But otherwise it's like, if I can only get $50 on a, a random, you know, Miss America pageant prop, that's going to get me booted. (laughs) Well, that's not worth it. You know? And by the way, that's the, that's the professional gambling life. It is not betting, you know, the over in the Monday night football game. I mean, it is betting women's gymnastics. It's doing all of these crazy things where, um, you know, you're you're betting small market stuff where you can find an edge. So, um, yeah, that's just kind of a, a little tidbit on, you know, you're not betting. It's always like a like a, a Thursday night Mac first oh, half yeah. total. You know, with like doubt. there's 11 people in the stands, and that's where you have an edge for sure. Um, So my first one. So I also very rarely make bets before practice and qualifying on matchups. I will take outrights, but I'm going to, there's a little lesson in this first matchup. My first matchup, I'm going to take Ryan Blaney minus 125 against Chase Elliott. And remember the, um, there's no such thing as bad bets, but there's bad explanations. And here is why I'm taking Blaney over Chase. I saw your reaction there. I'm wondering if we're similar 
uh, go ahead. On this one. Go ahead. Okay. Blaney on the two tracks that I looked at has two poles. Okay. Uh, both at uh, Phoenix and Richmond. Uh, Chase, not so good. He started 19th at Phoenix and 15th at Richmond. Now, I think Chase races pretty well. Um, he's able to pass cars. He does just kind of work his way up there. Uh, whereas Blaney, he can disappear a little bit more than Chase. Chase always kind of shows up at the end. Blaney never shows up at the end. But the reason I'm saying this is because if Blaney pulls it or qualifies in the top three, like I think he will, and Chase is 11th or 12th, that line is going to go to minus 165 or maybe even minus 170. So if I do think that Chase might still have a chance at beating him, I can get out of that bet because I'm only paying minus 125. And if I can get Chase at, you know, even if I lose a crumb and I, I, I'll bet it back the other way and say, you know what, we're not ha- keeping that position. So just remember that as long as you're beating the market, you can always get out of your bets. And you know what? Some people, oh, but then you're going to lose money or how do you win? It's like, listen, you've never gone to work an entire week and lost money. Okay. So once you do that, then you can come lecture me on how I'm supposed to make money um, in the long run. So ultimately my first pick is Blaney minus 125 versus Chase. Well, you're killing me uh, because I didn't think you were going to take Blaney. That was the matchup that I had like earmarked. I had, you know, my talking points down um, for Blaney. We had texts earlier today. He said, do you want my picks? I said, no, it makes it more fun if I have to scramble. And that is exactly the position I'm in. Um, that explanation about Blaney. I mean, it, it, I'm all for it. I mean, he, in addition, he's like number one on all the stats. I mean, he's the the favorite outright for a reason, like sports books see that as well. So um, he is going to be running up front and he's going to have a shot to win this race. If he wins the race, he wins the matchup. Um, so I, I have to imagine that these guys are feeling a little bit of pressure, not having a win yet. This is a track that they probably have. I'm going to throw a question your way while I'm scrambling to think of another yep. matchup here. Fords, because I'm I'm high on the Fords this week, just from like the you know thirty thousand foot view, like you said earlier. Um, yep. Are you? Because you know I feel like you might have a, a reason not to be about them this week. I think the Fords are going to be good this week. Oh, okay, I do. I'm, I'm I think surprised. The Fords are going to be good. Yeah, that's. Um, I was talking to Derek before I hopped on with you, and he was also surprised. Um, and you know, he thinks he said something like, Oh, it's gotta be a Toyota. And I'm like, Nope, am I missing something? He's like, no, you're probably not missing something. Um, but yeah, I am. But also I don't, I don't subscribe too much to just a manufacturer winning or the Fords have like, listen, if you go back to rewind to gateway in practice, the, that's the most dominant practice I've ever seen by a manufacturer, at least this year in the Fords. I mean, they were so good. Logano's car was the best car in practice that we've had all year. And I think I even said this, like, I know Logano won the race, but I have to take that with a grain of salt because I had way too much money on him for the quality of car he actually had in practice. And so I learned, I was very fortunate he won, but I had too much on him. I thought it was a lock. I thought in 15 laps, this guy's going to be in the top three. And, and I thought that the Fords were going to dominate And you didn't see that. I thought Toyota had some good cars in that gateway race. And so I don't just kind of jump on a manufacturer. Um, So maybe that'll hint towards my next bet is I'm, 
I, although I think the Fords are going to be good, I think some will be better than others. Okay. Well, I'm anxious to hear that one. Um, I going up against somebody like yourself, I'm feeling a little uh, rattled to be quite honest that you, you snagged that bet. I probably should have prepared more than one. I, I, I don't know why I didn't, I guess for some reason I did not think you were going to go Blaney, um, but I was wrong. So I'm going to shoot from the hip here and go with somebody who I liked as a long shot to win the race. We actually kind of talked about him earlier and it's Christopher Bell. Um, he's even money or, or, you know, same as his opponent, which is William Byron in this matchup. Um, I, I like Bell enough to call him out to win the race. I talked about him earlier, you know, in, in my um, segment alone talking about outrights. Um, you mentioned how, you know, if it, wasn't dark out. He was going to win that race anyway. Um, I think this season he's been, you know, he's gotten decent finishes at the, the three tracks um, that, you know, we care about here with the, the Phoenix Richmond and gateway um, current form. We've got William Byron on the other end of this matchup and, you had said it kind of a, in a different way, but he just hasn't had it recently. He had a ninth place at Sonoma. That's not going to apply here. Um, and that's his only top 10 and going all the way back to when he won at Martinsville. So if you're telling me that my driver in this matchup really just needs to be in the top 10, Christopher Bell is a guy that can put this car in the top 10 at this racetrack. Um, you know, finished ninth at Gateway. I know you're kind of discounting that, um, but you know, at Richmond, he was sixth at Phoenix, 26, but I think he, he ran into some stuff at Phoenix, but um, I like Christopher Bell in this matchup. I think he's a long shot to win at eight uh, plus um, 1800. So how do you feel about receiving Willie B in this matchup? The, the killer bees here. Um, I feel like you have the better side. Okay. All right. Good. Um, I'm happy. I, I guess just my, my take on this is, I'm kind of shocked that Byron has kind of fallen off. I think that if you look at Martinsville, you know, his last, that's his last top 10. No, he has a top 10 at, uh, Oh yeah. You said Sonoma, Sonoma. He was ninth, but other than that, yeah, but not good. Yeah. But that's, I mean, he wasn't a ninth place car. I mean, you could, you could make a a point that like Larson, what what did Larson beat him still? Or was he outside the top 10? Then he should have finished 10th maybe, but yeah. um, Either way, like, you know, at certain times you have to say, well, this guy finished fifth. It's like, okay, he finished fifth, but what happened to the guys who are the better cars than him that maybe had some issue, like even going back to um, Nashville, like if you had the Toyotas, get Kyle Busch and Truex, like someone, you know, Kurt Busch was not a top three car in my opinion, you know? Um, so, but he got his third place finish. Does that mean he was a third place car? No. So I, I like your bet. They both qualify pretty well. Christopher Bell, especially Byron has qualified well at these last two tracks, but he's done nothing but fade. You know, he's a two and a half qualify, you know, qualifying his average was two and a half. Uh, and then he finished 10 and a half. Now, Chris Bell has a, the 16th place average finish, but here's the thing with Chris Bell. Like he's so tough to take in matchups because you just never know when he's going to, Get a, if the penalty comes early in the race, then he'll win his matchup. If it comes late, then you're going to lose your matchup <laughs> with him. He such, has such a high beta. And that's why I always say, like, 
I like to bet Chris Bell every week because I think I'm not, I wouldn't be shocked if he went out and won every week. Like if he went out and won three races in a row, go, I'm just kind of shocked that he didn't get a penalty and, you know, screw himself. I thought, but if he's running good, I think he's super talented. I mean, off the charts talented. So I like your bet. It's just, uh, I like the outright price on him more than I like the, the matchup price. But I think that, man, Byron has just struggled. And that's some, that's the other thing too, is betting against struggling guys is how I bet my matchups, right? It's very rarely, you know, I took, like I said, the first one I took because of the, the price, I thought that I'd be able to get out of it if I didn't think it was a good bet. Now I know it doesn't count for us, but just yeah, my thought yeah. process would be that. Um, so yeah, I think you, I think you're going to win that one. Okay. I think I'm down. I think you're, I'm down. You're, uh, you're giving me the reverse jinx. I like it. Yes, I like it. I am. All right. So hit us with the last one, the rubber match, the third one. And uh, you gave us a little tease about four. So what do you have here to end it? Okay. I have Truex as a dog to Logano. I like Truex minus 105 against Logano. Uh, Truex has practiced terribly this year. And uh, he, uh, he wrecked out in Phoenix and I faded him across the board. I think I'd been four matchups and for me to fade someone in four matchups, that is, I'm stressed out. Uh, if this guy's looking better than he did in practice and, you know, you hear him on the radio, like, Oh, we've, you know, those adjustments you made were good. And I'm like, Oh no. Um, <laughs> and then to see him wreck out as just, you know, I mean, I hate to cheer that someone wrecks out, but you know, to sweep the board and matchups because of that, I mean, it's the game happy. Yeah, that's the game. So, and then obviously he ran well at Richmond and I, I was kind of shocked. I, I would have thought he would have won here, but he hasn't. Um, I saw I that too. Wrong about that. No, but you're I right. He'd won here. I, I uh, What happened? Cause was, I'm, I'm with like, you. I'm and, with you. It's, it's did like he the, pull a tire late or something. I want to say like three or four years ago, this guy dominated here. I know. I know. I feel the same exact way. I, I feel like it's that like, thing that that conspiracy theory with like the Berenstein Bears books how like they're spelled differently now than they were like when oh. we were kids or something like the the I would have bet everything that he had win here but I was looking at it today I you know I'll get into it in a second but I also saw the same exact thing and I was shocked I, I could I was shocked it. I was yeah. like oh he's probably what I thought twice like yeah, he's been I know. good at short tracks for the last only the last like few years you know when he was in the 56 uh with Waltrip he was not good at short tracks but um, yeah, I was, I was really kind of surprised he hasn't won. So here's the deal. I think that Logano just doesn't have the same, the, you know, I think Fords are going to be good. And, but also last year, I mean, his average finish on those two tracks were two and a half. Whereas, uh, this year, 12 and a half, he hasn't qualified as well either. Uh, now could Logano go out there and look good? Absolutely. But I think that Truex is he's raced better than he he's practiced all year. And if he, when he practices well, like he did at Nashville, he was really good. And so maybe they've kind of turned the corner a little bit. This is a little bit of a gamble. And like I said, I haven't bet these personally that I don't go out and fire your, your <laughs> yeah. everything yeah. you have on this. Um, but these are the two that I like the most. So true X minus one five against Logano. So I can't, uh, I can't hate, anything about this matchup because um, speaking about the, the guys we called out as outrights earlier, both of them, I, I like both uh, to, to win the race. And I like Truex, I think more because of the value, you know, he's better value to be outright plus 800 um, compared to, to Logano. 
who's seven to one. Um, so I like your, your reasoning behind Truex. I can't hate on that. I'm not going to make an attempt to tear that guy down when I just built him up probably uh, 30 minutes ago on the pod. Uh, so yeah. I'm getting, I'm getting stuck with a guy who I like to potentially win the race. I mean, if you're looking at statistics alone, uh, he, he's up there in average finish up there in green flag speed. He's top 10 in driver rating. Driver rating is really the, the only stat that Truex has him like completely beat up on Truex is like second in that category uh, in the races that I'm worried about um, yeah. with my model. So it's a close matchup close enough for me to be like, yeah, you know what I mean? I, I'm, I'm not pissed that I'm getting stuck with Logano. We'll see. This is definitely going to be a, a difference maker. If we both like the other guys pick in the first two matchups, uh, this will definitely be the one that's, uh, you know, the, the moneymaker. So um I don't hate your pick. I like both of these guys and it's going to be really interesting to see. This is going to be like a full weekend event with, with these guys, I think, uh, because like you mentioned, you know, Truex being uh, struggling and then having to work on things in, in practice, you know, this season, I need to see something from Truex. Like, and I think we saw it last week, like, Oh, we even forgot to talk about Atlanta, which is fine. Cause I know you yeah, weren't really yeah. into that race, but um, Atlanta, I saw a spark in Truex, like, you know, for whatever was going on with the contract and everything and retirement, and all that, I, I, I saw something out of Truex that made me say like, you know what, I'm into him um, this coming week, at least in a racetrack that I thought he won three times at, but didn't. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so I, I really feel like that's that win, you know, is coming here soon. Logano, he's just kind of like, there, like he's seventh in points. They're six and seven in points, by the way. So they're like right near each other in the season standings. Um, and so I think it could go either way, but mm -hmm. uh, I, I like your pick in, in Truex, and I'm not mad that I have Logano. So, yeah, I think, yeah, that one, I just think Truex just has the momentum and yes. something about the like, it's no secret when Logano is good somewhere. I feel like he never he just comes out of the blue and wins. Like he, like where Truex sometimes does, at least this year, he's come out and looked really good when he didn't, when I didn't think he was going to be that good. So uh, maybe they found something. Um, like I said, I thought he was good at, at road America. And obviously when I flipped on the, the race for the last 35 laps at Atlanta, um, looked like he was running up front there after being racked too. So yeah, we'll see, but I, I will say, let me just add a little um, nugget. Um, I have played my largest outright of the year so far this week. So oh. you have to, you have to turn into the bet the board podcast, stay green. Um, I have to give out a pick every week, uh, at this point and it's been matchups or top fives or top tens up, at, up to this point. And, um, yeah, this is a bet that I was hoping I have, I wasn't able to talk about it last week on, you know, the, um, with the in-between media guys, uh, Elliot and Seth, but cause they wanted to talk about loud and I'm like, whoa, 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 those odds haven't come out yet. <laughs> if someone <laughs> were to actually watch this. And, and so I kind of treaded lightly on what I thought. So yeah, tune into the, the bet the board stay green podcast. Uh, it'll come out Friday morning and I will be giving out, um, in my opinion, uh, the best outright price at this point in the week. So when I say it's the biggest outright price, that's before practice. That's the, it's the biggest, amount largest amount of money that I've put on a bet at this point in the week. 
not after practice or qualifying. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so you have to tune in for that. I'm excited. I think that this person will run well. Perfect teaser, perfect segue kind of to, to kind of close it out here. Um, so any other final thoughts on Loudon this week uh, before we close it up? I'm, I'm curious how Chastain's going to do. <laughs> well, um, I didn't even talk like, about his chaos either. I mean, yeah. yeah, it's so funny. There's, here's a thing just I, to tie a bow on kind of like the whole week with, you know, with Hamlin and Chastain I, right now, I think the most important person in NASCAR is Denny Hamlin. I agree and with you hundred percent. Like the sport is kind of, like him or not. He's, he's not afraid to speak his mind. He's not afraid to bring people outside the sport in and get them involved. And he's not afraid to, I mean, what we saw at gateway with him teasing Chastain. I mean, what, what in the world were we watching? I'm like, is this happening? <laughs> I know. Like, I know. I just couldn't believe it. And you know, the, the Dale jr. Uh, download with him was super fascinating. I just think he's the most important person in NASCAR. I mean, he's making moves and you saw it more of it today. And I just think I'm excited to kind of see what happens over, you know, the, the rest of his kind of career, because right now I think him and Justin Marks, man, I have a lot of respect for that guy. Did you, have you listened to that Dale jr. Download? I didn't listen to Justin yet. No, I have not heard him oh, yet, but dude, it's on my list. To. It's on it's, my list. It's so good. Well, yeah. just quit your job, start betting on NASCAR for a living, and then <laughs> uh, you'll have more time to listen to podcasts. I, I It's tough consuming the content, right? I prioritize like the weekly shows like, you know, yours now and, and the flag hunting guys and, you know, everybody else that, um, you know, the, the guys, uh, the NASCAR gambling podcast, the, the uh, Cody Zeebs and, um, and Rod all the, the weekly stuff is what I try to like get done first. And then if I have mm-hmm. time, like in the week, I, I hit Dale jr. Cause I feel like those, you know, the, the shelf life on those is a lot longer. So um, it is it's on sure. my, it's on my list of those types of pods. And I'm very excited to hear it because um, Denny's was fascinating. I agree with you wholeheartedly about Denny and uh, Justin, you know, as an owner, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. And, you know, Ross messing with, potentially the most important guy in NASCAR right now is not a good uh, career choice or at least a championship choice for him. So I'm anxious but to see I miss how that plays the rivalries. Out. I miss, oh, for I sure. miss that, you know, you don't see it as much in golf anymore either. And you know, we're uh, say what you want about tiger and Phil, but man, people tuned in Oh, and you 100%. know what people, people, this is, I think this, this, the last, you know, 72 hours in NASCAR has been great. And I think Denny gets it. Like Denny gets it and he knows you need eyes and uh, they're creating kind of content out of kind of thin air. And I love it. Me too. And I love it. Yeah. I'm excited to see what, what happens throughout the rest of the season. Well said, well said all around. I am uh, very thankful you were able to make some time with me this week here, Chris. And um, obviously I'll I'll catch you on Wednesday nights on Derek's show as well. But um, remember, subscribe download the bet the board podcast look for the stay green episodes and uh give chris your uh your looks here because you know got nascar's backing nascar's attention it's really important that uh you know they succeed so definitely um give them your attention so chris thanks so much i don't want to keep you any longer i know you got other places to be so uh i really appreciate your time man yeah thanks a lot phil i appreciate it
Well, that's going to do it for another episode of the Full Tank with Phil podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it, as always. And thanks to Chris Wormy for joining us for such a great conversation there. I really appreciate his time, and we hope to see him again down the line this season. So with that, good luck this weekend, and we will see you next week for my home track, Pocono. So drive fast, take chances, and we'll see you next week. Place to go. Hell no place to go. Hell no place to go. Hell no place to go.